So friends, we are exploring Lakuta Sikhis, volume Tez Zion 16, Vishalach, Sikha number four. This is about Eruf Tafshilin. Um, the Sikha will explore. It's related to Bishalach, by the way, because as we're going to see later in the Sikha, there are verses in today's portion that hint to that mitzvah. Um, the Sikha is going to talk about two types of Erufs. Eruf Tafshilin and Eruf Echatzerot. The Erev Tafshilin is the procedure, ceremony, if you will, that allows us to p- cook on Yantif for Shabbos. So let's argue Yantif is Friday, and then there's Shabbos. So on Yantif, you're allowed to cook for Yantif itself. You're not allowed to cook for Yantif for weekday, because that's a biblical prohibition. You can only cook on Yantif that which is needed for Yantif. What about for Yantif to Shabbos? That's okay, biblically, because... Uh, because Shabbos is a step up on Yantif. However, the sages said, no, if we allow you to cook on Yantif on that Friday, not only for that day's meals, but also for the next day's meals, Shabbos, people will think, oh, Yantif, you could just cook. You can cook for Shabbos. You can cook for Tuesday. You got guests coming over later. On Chalamayid, you're going to cook for that too. And that's a biblical prohibition. So protect ourselves from that sin. They said, we're going to allow you to cook on Friday for Shabbos which is a necessity, you got to have fresh food for Shabbos, provided that you create an Erev, which essentially means a reminder. And how do you do it? You cook food, you prepare food. Typically, it's a baked food, like a matzah or a challah, and an egg or a piece of chicken. So it's one baked thing and one cooked thing. And this is done before Shabbos, before Yantif. So on Thursday, Erev Yantif, or prior, and then you, you you keep it in your house, so to speak, for the duration. And that allows you to cook on Friday for Shabbos, on Yontif for Shabbos. And the, the concept is because you're theoretically already started cooking for Shabbos on Thursday. So you're just continuing. And it's it's a way really to remind us that we should not take Yontif lightly and that the permissibility for it is only because we're cooking for Yontif or for Shabbos. But not God forbid to cook on Yontif for a weekday. That's really what an Erev does. An Erev is really a reminder. Um, and similarly, a Ruvichat is the same concept that uh, in a place where you are allowed to carry biblically, but not rabbinically. For example, a, a closed domain, but has separate domains. So if you're staying in one hotel, many, many people, you have your own private room or a condominium complex or a gated community. Everyone has their own private space. Conversely, though, it's also gated in. So biblically, it's not really a problem. But King Solomon, who actually taught us Erev, it's one of the seven mitzvahs of the sages, told us that uh, if we carry all over the hotel, all over the condominium complex, or all over the uh, gated community, we'll eventually forget the whole law of pro- prohibition of carrying on Shabbos because we're going to reason what's the difference if I'm carrying in the gated community. I'm not, not in my house. I'm in the general area. So maybe I can... Carry in a in a closed in a private community which doesn't have a gate, and then I can expand that to carry in the city. I don't know, and and we forget the whole law of carrying, and therefore, he made a rule that you need an erev. Again, it's the purpose of an erev as a reminder. There's a lot of discussion parenthetically what the word erev really means. It means um, to mix that all the people are connected, like the plague of Arov is a mixed multitude of animals that all the Jews are connected through the erev. This is more applicable by the erev uh, echatzerot, carrying type erev. Or Arov, Erov is from the word uh, Arev, a guarantor. 
for a loan or a guarantor for a wedding, and that Jews are arevim zelazeh, we are guarantors for one another, and therefore this is symbolic of that, and therefore we become one big family and we can carry. Now, in both of these areas that we just discussed, namely, Eruv Tafshilin, the Eruv which allows you to cook on Yantif for Shabbos, on Friday for the Shabbos, and the Eruv Chatzeh would allow you to uh, carry, both involve the food. In the case of a Ruby Chatzeh, you also have to make sure the area is enclosed. But in addition to it being enclosed, you have to have food in a common area, which, or in one area, which come, which connects the people and says, look, they're really all sharing because they have one, uh, one, one set of food for all of them. And similarly, of course, Erev Tafshilin, which is all about the food. So the question of the Sikha is, the discussion is, what happens to that food? It is set aside before Shabbos, before Yantif. Um, and uh, suppose you went to a hotel for a program for Shabbos, right? And uh, somebody's going to make an area around the hotel so people can carry for the program, the Shabbos program. And uh, arguably, they're going to make this area. They're going to take some challah and some food and set it aside. When should it be set aside and when should it be eaten? Some might say you don't need to set aside food in that case because if they're in a hotel Shabbos program, they're all eating in the same dining room. So that's covered it. But I assume that they still do it in the terms of a formality of it. So what happens to that food? And the same thing is with the Erev Tafshilin. On Thursday, before Yantif, which was Thursday night, Friday, you set aside that matzah and the egg. When do you eat it? You don't have to eat it. But you should eat it, right? The Talmud says you should eat it because uh, you did a mitzvah with it. You should do another mitzvah, make a blessing on it, and eat it. Eat it for a meal, for Shabbos. So when should you eat it? So that becomes a discussion. So the the classic post-Gimarillah Marshal, these are, these are 14th and 16th century post-Gimalachic decisors, respectively. They rule that although nominally, one may eat these right away as soon as Shabbos comes in. In the case of the uh, the Erev Chatzeret. Or as soon as you finish cooking for Shabbos in the case of the Erev Tafshilin. So to keep it simple, but a Friday night meal, in both cases, whether it's food for Erev Tafshilin, for cooking allowability, or it's a food for Erev Chatzeret, for carrying allowability, they both need to be set aside before Shabbat, before Shabbos, or an Erev Tafshilin before Yom. But that night, they could be eaten. On Friday night, they could be eaten. That is the basic law. Shabbos is already here. You already finished cooking for Shabbos. You can eat it. However, the Paiskim, the early decisors quoted earlier, say it's preferable not to eat it on the first Friday night meal. It's preferable to save it for the last meal of Shabbos. They say this to be true by both types of Arabs, be it Arab Tafshilin, the cooking Arab, or Arab Chatzeret, the carrying Arab. Save it for the third meal. So what you do, you should, for Friday night, you should have it as one of the two breads, but break the other bread. For Shabbos lunch, you save it for the second two breads, but break the other bread. And then for the third meal, Shabbos should use that as your bread. And what did you gain? Because now you took one mitzvah and used it four times over. It's a mitzvah of making an Arab. It's a rabbinic mitzvah, one of the seven rabbinic mitzvahs. 
And um, but now, as he's quoted in the from the Talmud, that once you did one mitzvah with something, you should do it other mitzvahs with it as well. Some of us might be familiar with the concept that uh, there's a custom by many that we take a little of it and we save it for the burning of the chametz so that we do another mitzvah with it to help make the fire. So you already did a mitzvah of Erev. Don't just let it be or don't just eat it for lunch. Use it for Friday night meal so it's a mitzvah of Lecha Mishnah. And it's again doing the mitzvah of Lecha Mishnah in the morning. And then you're eating it during Shalashunas. So it did three additional mitzvahs in addition to the actual mitzvah original. This is not a requirement, but this is a higher level. And this is the law that's given, brought down from the classic poskim, decisors. Equal across the board, both types of air. Comes along the Alta Rebbe in his Code of Jewish Law. And he splits the difference. And he says, wait a minute. If you're talking about the air of Tafshilin, you should hold it to the third meal. If you're talking about the era of Tichumim, the era of, I'm sorry, the era of Chatzerot, uh, the carrying type era, you should eat it for lunch, Shabbos lunch, you know, daytime meal. Ideally, he doesn't mention the concept of saving it for Shabbos shooters. So the Rebbe says two questions. First of all, why would the Alter Rebbe split the difference? Whereas the source, the post can make the same by both. The Alter Rebbe says no. He's ruling, and obviously he has bases and backing for it in various uh, halachic authorities. He's ruling to uh, to make a different distinction between the Erev Tafshilin and Erev Chatzeros. Erev Tafshilin, you should eat at the third meal. Erev Chatzeros, ideally, at Shabbos day. Why is he making that distinction? Why doesn't he just follow the the model of the Paiskim uh, that say that the halacha is the same in both. Meaning the halacha in the most beautiful fashion. And then the Rebbe asks another general question. Why would the Alter Rebbe tell us to wait to that third meal to do the mitzvah of eating it? It's not really a mitzvah to eat bread by the third meal. Remember, the theme here is that we did a mitzvah with something, we want to do more mitzvahs with it. Eating bread on the Friday night meal, on the Shabbos day meal, and having two breads, is a mitzvah because it's a requirement. Eating bread at the third meal, according to many opinions, is not a requirement. Some say you certainly don't eat two breads. Some say you don't even eat one bread. You can eat mizonos, you know, uh, and cookies and cake. Some say you can even uh, suffice with, with fruits. It certainly doesn't have the same level of obligation as the first two meals of Shabbat. So why would the Alta Rebbe have you eat it at that meal? If he's trying to have you do a mitzvah with it, he should have you eat it by the prior meals, by the morning meal. What's gained by saving it for the third meal when it's not a mitzvah requirement anymore? Those are the Rebbe's two questions. The Rebbe is going to answer this by introducing the background. What is the thematic meaning of the mitzvah of Erev Tafshilin? And based on this, we will see, it will all come out the beauty of that mitzvah, and it will explain this distinction and, and answer both of our questions. Let's bring up a spreadsheet. And let's catch ourselves up. So this is where we are. Uh, when to eat the food of the Erev. So the Maharil and Marshal, the two classic decisors, the postkim, they say the same thing by both Erev Tafshil and Erev Chatseris. 
that the nominal law is you can eat it on Friday evening or earlier, even if you already finished preparing for Shabbat, but that's just to keep it simple. However, it's best, it's optimum to wait till the third meal. Why? Because it's good to use a mitzvah for more mitzvahs. And they say this by both of these things, and it has a Talmudic source, um, uh, as mentioned in the Talmud. The Alter Rebbe in his code uh, says, Erev Tavshila, and he says what they say, that best to wait till the third meal by Erev Chatzeres. He changes it. No, you can eat it Friday, but best to wait till Shabbos morning. There isn't even a best to wait till the third meal. Says the Rebbe two questions. Number one, why the Alter Rebbe differentiates between the two Erevs? And number two, why is the third meal even an optimum time? And it isn't even a mitzvah obligation to eat bread during that meal. So if you're trying to get mitzvahs done, more mitzvahs done with this piece of challah, you should eat it by lunch. So the Rebbe comes along and tells us, let's study some Gemara. Let's find out. We're going to find out that there's two reasons for the mitzvah of Erev Tafshilin that are given. It's interesting that if you ask most Jews who are a little knowledgeable, they say, of course, I know the reason, the reason I mentioned earlier to allow you to prepare on Yom Tif, Shabbos, but that is not the only reason brought in the Talmud. There are two reasons brought in the Talmud. The reason why we all know that reason is because that's the halacha. That's what we go by. But as you can see on your screen, there's Rav Ashi and Rav. Rav Ashi is the one who says the reason that we're all familiar with. It's a reminder of a prohibition to cook on Yom Tif for weekday. So if Yom Tif is Friday, And I want to cook on that day, Yantif, for the next day for Shabbos, even though biblically I'm allowed to cook Yantif for Shabbos because Shabbos is, is also Yantif and it's greater than Yantif. But if, in, in, I might make a mistake and think that Yantif is just you're allowed to cook, it's cooking day, and I'll cook for Sunday or Monday, and that's a biblical prohibition, a big problem. So, therefore, to avoid that, that, that problem, they made an Arab. By the way, another word for an Arab is like a simon, it's a sign. It's interesting that the sages use that word Arab. And it's used, parenthetically, not only for these two, but for a few other things, where the common thread is only one thing, that it's a sign, it's a reminder. Which is, by the way, which is, by the way why it's employed very liberally. You understand? It's just a reminder. For example, Erech if you forgot to make it, and someone else in town or the local rabbi made it and had in mind the whole town, you can go by it. It's, it's employed liberally because it's really merely a reminder not to take Shabbos. But coming back, so Ravashi says that's the reason for prohibition. This is the reason we're all familiar with. So you start cooking on Thursday or prior. And now when Shabbos comes, when Friday comes, you already started cooking. So you're just continuing. That trick only works because all you're looking for is a reminder that what you're doing, which is nominally allowed, cooking for Yantif to Shabbos. On the biblical level, it's nominally allowed. But it's there's a reminder that, uh, you know, don't, don't take Yantif lightly. And don't, God forbid, ever make the mistake of cooking on Yantif for a week. Rubber says no. If I'm sitting on Friday, I'm cooking for Yom Tif. And I, I'm having guests, it's Yom Tif. And I'm not mindful that tomorrow is Shabbos or tonight is Shabbos, I may not have enough food left over for Shabbos. And therefore, by doing the the um, uh, uh, the uh, Erev Tafshilah, on Erev Yom Tif, as I'm setting aside my food, I'm purchasing and setting aside my food. In our, in our world, I'm defrosting my chickens and flesh for Yom Tif and Shabbos. For Yom Tif, I'm keeping in mind Shabbos too. Remember, this is before the age of refrigeration and storage. So you have to go and you have to make sure that you bought 
and and if you're not mindful that there's another big day following Yom Tov, namely Shabbos, you, you're going to overlook it. Maybe and you're not going to have enough food. You're not going to have the right food, quality food. And therefore, we make a reminder as we're preparing for Yom Tov, which is Friday. We're preparing on Thursday. On that same day, we're also doing some kind of um, procedure, some kind of uh, act to symbolically remind us that Shabbos is coming, and therefore we should keep it in mind in our preparations. That's a reason that people are not familiar with because, again, the halacha leans according to the reasoning of Rav Ashi, but Rav's reasoning is also Torah, of course, and part of the truth of Torah. So the Rebbe says, let's uh, trim it down. Let's cut to the chase. So the difference between Rav Ashi and Rav, if you think about it, Rav Ashi says that Erev Tavshilin was there to honor Yantif, and Rav says Erev Tavshilin was there to honor Shabbos. Right? Rav Ashi says it's there to honor Yantif. Namely, it's a sign to remind you that you shouldn't take yantav lightly and God forbid ever cook on yantav a week. It's to honor yantav. Rabbi says no. That on the Thursday before the before the Friday, before the yantav and before the Shabbos, as you're preparing and you're buying your food and what have you, you should make sure to make an error to remind you Shabbos is coming too. And make sure you have the right food, the right flesh, the right whatever for Shabbos. So you're there to honor Shabbos. The Rebbe makes a crystal clear difference between these two Talmudic opinions. The classics, the Rush and others, say that there's a halachic difference between these two opinions. There's a practical difference. Whenever there are two opinions in the Talmud, often there's a practical difference which makes the, the relevance of the argument more interesting. The difference is when can I prepare this Erev? I have to cook up this egg or this gefilte fish or a piece of chicken, whatever people do, and the piece of bread. When I make a blessing, when should I prepare it? Do I have to prepare it on Thursday, Erev Yantiv? Or could I do it on Wednesday? Or could I have done it on Sunday when I had the day off from work and I had more time and get it out of the way? What's the ruling? Or must it be done that day? So the Rosh explains, depends which way you go. Rav Ashi's thinking is that it can be done any time before, prior. As long as it is still in existence on Erev Yantif, it doesn't matter if it's prepared on that Thursday or prepared on Wednesday, prepared on Sunday. As long as it's still here, when Yantif comes in, it's fine. As long as it's still here, I guess, when you're cooking the food on Yantif, it's fine. But when you prepare it, that's up to you. Why would we care? But according to Rava, no, the Erev needs to be prepared on Thursday, on Erev Yantif. Because since it's a reminder about Shabbos preparations, that they shouldn't be overlooked when you're doing the Yantif preparations, it's got to be done on the day when you're doing those preparations. Whereas according to Ravashi, it's more of a protective measure that we shouldn't overlook the prohibition and therefore we start cooking in advance. But who said we can only start cooking on every other because start cooking two days before, a week before. So that becomes a practical difference. The halacha, by the way, is that you don't have to prepare the Erev on Erev Yamtif. You can prepare it earlier, but it's optimum to prepare it on Erev Yamtif. So what do we see from that halacha? Ideally, prepare it any time which means halacha goes to the side of Rabashi. However, optimally, we should try to do both. It's almost like us Chabadniks, we also wear Rabbi Natam Tavim. Not, not, not that we're not sure what the halacha is, but, but obviously Rabbi Natam also has a, a very powerful message. Rabbi has a message. And optimally, we should try to include that message as well. And therefore, ideally, we should prepare it on Erev Yamtif, which would be in line with Rabbi's thinking. And that becomes the halacha. There are further trims it down and says, if you look at it, you observe it, you realize that Rav Ashi is saying that this mitzvah is 
negative in nature. It's protective against sin, against violating young. Not negative in a negative sense, but half of Judaism is negative. Is thou shalt not. Don't do this because you're violating Hashem's will, as opposed to do this because you're embracing Hashem's will. Uh, in the case of Erev uh, Tavshilin, if it's to honor Yantiv, which means it's a protective measure not to violate Yantiv. So it's a negative, it's a protection against a violation. Whereas in the thinking of Rabbah, it's a positive. It's a reminder of the holiness of Shabbos and the Shabbos deserves the right attention. Says the Rebbe, and here is where it becomes brilliant to see if you could say so, that the Rebbe says, now that we understand this, we have these two opinions and we have the way they're viewed by commentary and we're distilling them down to understand that one is honoring Yantiv, one is honoring Shabbos. One is seeing the mitzvah as a negative and protection and one is seeing it as a positive. We explore the Talmud further, we find that there's, there's a discussion in the Talmud, what's a biblical verse as a source for this mitzvah? Now to be clear, this is a rabbinic mitzvah, it's not biblical. However, in many cases, the sages will look for what's called an asmachta. Asmachta means from the word samuch or smicha, to lean. When a rabbi, when a rabbi gets smicha, they lean his hands on him proverbially. A biblical verse the sages could lean on. In this case, who's the sages? Shlomo HaMelech. And this is a classic. This is the first of the uh, rabbinic mitzvahs, I believe. So the Talmud says, let's find a verse because if the Torah meant that we're going to be able to do, we're going to do these mitzvahs and their actual mitzvahs, as opposed to all the laws that the Chachamim put in, which are fences around the Torah, like Muktzah and many others, you know, most of the Jewish law is rabbinic in nature because of fences and because of enactments and because of what have you. But the seven mitzvahs, where we actually make a bracha, that you commanded us to do this because God commanded us to follow the sages, etc. There's only seven of them including Hanukkah and Purim and, and Shabbos Licht and washing your hands for bread and blessing before you eat as opposed to after you eat, which is biblical, and the Arabs. So therefore, because it's considered a mitzvah, we look for a verse in Torah, which is uh, something to lean on. Parenthetically, it is said that Hanukkah and Purim, for example, if you look in the portion of Memor, in Leviticus, when it lists all the holidays in order, immediately following that is the portion discussing the menorah in the temple. Aha, it's a hint to Hanukkah. Doesn't say the word Hanukkah, but it hints to Hanukkah by the menorah. And the next section is the showbread, which hints to Purim when Purim it's a mitzvah to eat a meal and celebrate. That's what Purim is all about. Mishta v'simcha. So, so the sages would look for an asmachta. So the Talmud says, what's a asmachta? What's a hint or a, a verse of the Torah for et erev tafshil to lean on? So the Talmud brings two different verses. One is from today's portion of Mishalah. That which you bake, shall you bake? Now, nominally, what it means is that the Torah is being poetic almost, that, the, that whatever they need to prepare uh, for Shabbos, they should do on Friday. So the language is that which bakes, you should bake. That which you want to cook, you should cook. But the sages derive from it that what can you bake? That which you already started baking. You can cook what you started cooking, which is hinting to the Tafshina. And then another sage says, you know what? There's another verse. On, remember the Holy Day of Shabbos to honor it. And that too is hinting to the Yerith. Says the Rebbe something brilliant, that these two verses, if you think about it, why do we need both verses? In other words, if you look in Rashi, Rashi seems to go to say what the Rebbe is now going to say, that they line up with Rabashi and Rabba respectfully, respectively. Being Rabashi is all about 
seeing Eretz Tavshil as honoring and protecting Yantif. It's a negative protective measure against a violation of a holiday. Therefore, the language is that which you baked, can you bake? Nothing else. Conversely, Rabba's approach that it's a positive mitzvah to honor Shabbos, so you have the right food for Shabbos, etc. A verse that, uh, that 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 alludes to it would be, might be Zachar es Yom Shabbos Lakachik. Remember the whole day of Shabbos. It's about Shabbos and it's about positivity. It's about honoring Shabbos, not about protecting something from being violated. This is already brilliant. Reb is taking two verses wrote in the Talmud, unrelated to this argument, and uh, albeit using a hint in Rashi to say that it falls right in line with this with this uh, two-column situation, as we're discussing. Says the Rebbe, now that we have all of this, we understand the law that the Alta Rebbe says. What did we say? What's the law? That one may eat the Arab on Friday evening. Ideally, uh, it's just nominally, basically, if you want to do the mitzvah on a basic level, you can eat the Arab Tavshil on Friday evening. But better to hold to the third meal. What does that mean? Tell me the law. Why is there one way to do it and then there's a better way to do it? Well, now we know. Since the halacha is Ravashi's way, the basic way of doing the mitzvah is that it's just a protection from violation. So therefore, you can eat it on Friday evening. Like, why not? The minute uh, you finish cooking for Shabbos, you no longer need that proof. You don't no, no longer need that 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 the protection, the protective measure from violating yantif because you finished cooking already. However, it's better to hold it for the third meal. So the Rebbe says something brilliant. In addition to what the language of the Talmud is, that when you do a mitzvah, you should do other mitzvahs with it. Rebbe says the Alter Rebbe in his language alludes to it. It's not only better, but it's mitzvah and amufkar. It's actually a much higher level than the mitzvah. Says the Rebbe, this is the big innovation of this sikha, to my understanding, that eat it by the third meal. Being that the area of tafshil is not just a protective measure, but on the higher level, on Rabbah's level, it's also a positive to honor Shabbos. By all means, let us stick around throughout Shabbos and bring it by every meal. You'll be honoring Shabbos. You'll be remembering Shabbos. It has a positive message. It's an object that tells you Shabbos is holy. Shabbos is special. Shabbos is wonderful. So let us stick around until the last meal. Because then you're doing more of, the, of, the, of its theme, of its purpose of honoring Shabbos. Brilliant. Not just a generic thing. Let's try to do as many mitzvahs. It's that too, but the Rebbe says, if that were the case, we wouldn't push it off to the third meal. We would eat it at the second meal because the third meal isn't really a mitzvah. If we were just looking to get more mitzvahs, we would put it at the Friday night table and the Shabbos lunch, we would eat it. Because Shalashudas is not a mitzvah to eat really bread. We save it for Shalashudas because in addition to the idea that we want mitzvahs, we also want to honor Shabbos. We want to do the mitzvah of Erev Tavshil and not only Ravashi's way, but Rabbi's way, not only honoring Yanta, but also honoring Shabbos, not only a protective guardian against potential violation, but also a positive honoring of Shabbos and the holiness of it. And therefore, keep it throughout Shabbos. And this answers both of the above questions.
What were the two questions that we had? Let's go back. Two questions were, why would the Alter Rebbe, the friendship between the two Arabs, about whether or not you wait to the third meal or only the second meal? And why is the third meal an optimum time? It's not even a mitzvah obligation. So we just answered both questions. It's true. Let's go question two first. The third meal isn't an optimum time to, uh, to do a mitzvah of eating bread because it's not an obligation. And that's why, you know, Rubik Hatseris, don't wait till the third meal, eat it by lunch. Because all we're trying to do is get more mitzvahs with this bread. Why would you save it to Shalash Shudas? It's not a mitzvah, according to many opinions. However, by Rev Tavshilin, the Alter Rebbe says, even though it's not a mitzvah, to eat Shalash Shudas bread necessarily, according to all opinions. But you know what? In this case, save the air of it and, and, and eat it for that meal. And why? Not just because you want to get many mitzvahs, but because you want to get the theme of Erev Tafshilin, which is unlike Erev Chatzeris. You don't have this theme of Erev Chatzeris. And what is that? Erev Tafshilin has, as mentioned, two themes. The basic theme of protecting Yantif, but a deeper theme, an additional higher level theme, beyond the letter of the law theme, of honoring Shabbos, and therefore we hold on to the air till the end of Shabbos. And by keeping this beyond the letter of the law, additional custom, we're honoring both opinions and we are, we are getting the entire uh, benefit and, and the spirituality of the Erev Tavshil. The Rebbe concludes the powerful spiritual aspect. The Rebbe says, now that we've come to this point, where we have one mitzvah, Erev Tafshir, we have two themes as rooted in the Talmud itself in the Gemara, Ravashi and Rav, that it's a Yantaf theme or it's a Shabbos theme. And the Yantaf theme is the more basic, and that's the letter of the law. The Shabbos theme is the beyond the letter of the law, as mentioned in detail before. And that's why Halacha says that we practice like Ravashi, but optimally we also practice like Rav both in when we prepare it, that we could prepare it earlier, but it's better to prepare it on Erev Yomtev to also satisfy Rabbah's approach. And also when we eat it, we can eat it right away, as soon as we finish preparing the food for Shabbos, let's call it Friday night. But optimally, we should wait till the third meal to also get Rabbah. So now we, we can look, in other words, on a mystical level or on a spiritual level, we can see the Erev as a Yomtev Shabbos dynamic. It's there to benefit Yantiv. Aha! It's also there to honor Shabbos. What does this say on a personal level, on a spiritual level, our own Avedis Hashem, our own journey? So the Rebbe says Yantiv and Shabbos. There are two levels of holiness. Shabbos is a holy day. You might say that represents the high level of a tzaddik, who is holy, who operates in the realm of holiness. He doesn't understand sin and temptation and, and the battle. He's a Shabbos dick. He's holy. Yantiv, Yantiv represents you and I, the Balchuva, the struggling Jew, the Benini, or the wannabe Benini. How so? Because what is Yantiv? It's an ordinary weekday that we make holy. Shabbos is not an ordinary weekday. From the beginning of time, God made all the Shabbos as holy. Yantiv, we make it holy. It's not just called Kodesh, holy. It's called Mikroi Kodesh. Mikroi Kodesh means you call it holy. When the calendar was made by the sages, by uh, the moon sightings, etc., they could decide when the holiday would be. And even now, we're following a holiday that was a calendar that was instituted by Hillel the Elder, etc., by the sages. And nominally, they're taking a weekday and deciding that this should become a holy day. And that's the theme of Yom Tev as opposed to Shabbos. They're not just the same thing with different laws. 
Shabbos teaches us, introduces to the world unadulterated holiness, like mitzvahs, holy things, tzaddiks, tzaddikim. The Yom Tiv introduces to the world the opportunity to make weekday holy, uh, to take mundane matters and do good things with them. Uh, to, and, and it represents in, in the person, the idea of the person who struggles, and he, he he's connected to mundane. He knows what sin is. He knows what temptation and negativity is. He's in the battle, and he's trying to elevate it. That's a Yom Tiv type theme person. Says the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe is teaching us by bringing these two opinions. By the way, he reverses the order in the Talmud. Uh, Rava is first, and then Ravashi, and the Alter Rebbe gives them a number, one and two, reversing it. Because in the service of Hashem, which comes first? The Baini or the Tzaddik. If I want to grow, I hope one day to grow up to be a Tzaddik, <laughs> I got to start with a Baini or a Baal And therefore, the first opinion, the first step is the Yom Tif approach, the Rav Ashi approach. And the second one is the Shabbos. Because in Avayda, that's how it works. Another language would be Iskafia and Ishapka. Iskafia means the service of Hashem where I'm just subduing my the animal soul, the Yetzirah's wishes, and I'm doing what's right, even if I don't want to necessarily. The higher level is Habka, where I transform my whole negative, there's no more negative, become Shabbistic. Obviously, you can't jump to step two before you do step one, and therefore the Alta Rebbe reverses the order in the Talmud. It's another brilliant hint here. The Talmud brings these two opinions in the reverse order, whatever its reasons are, and the Alta Rebbe reverses it and puts Rav Ashi first and numbers them one and two, because in the spiritual service, it's also one and two. And therefore he says, Behave like Ravashi, but if you can, behave like Rav. As we mentioned earlier, translate in a spiritual way, as it says in Tanya chapter 14 and other places. Try to be a Bainani, that's your job. Try to behave, try to be normal. <laughs> but don't give up on being a tzaddik. Don't give up on that, on, on that promise, on that oath that your soul took, that ultimately, maybe you could do it. Or maybe more practically, it means that from time to time we experience what it means to really love Hashem and, and get a taste of that, what have you. Whatever, Tanya doesn't allow us just to say, no, that's, that's not in my league. No. My league is the Benini League, the, the Iskafia League, the league of uh, struggle and trial and error and trying to do the right thing, even though I don't always want to. But I can't just write off the whole book of Yiddishkeit where a person reaches a level of, of holiness and connection to Hashem on that level. I'm still Jewish. And therefore, Tanya says that uh, still strive for it, so to speak. And the way that Rebbe puts it out here, if I know that there's a concept of perfection, a concept of a person who's truly in love with Hashem, etc., A, we might have a taste of that from time to time, but B, even now when we're doing our bainani, our regular mundane service that we are capable of, we'll do it to more perfection. We'll, we'll do it with more energy because we know that there is the higher level that in, at the end of the day is connected to us. Maybe on our soul level, we're at Sadiq. Maybe because all Jews are Arab together, so the tzaddik service and our service are connected, whichever way you wish. But Judaism has both. It has Yantif and Shabbos, it has the Bainani and it has the tzaddik. And it tells us, I want you to try to do the Bainani. But don't give up on the tzaddik. Don't give up on that high level connection, which you might taste from time to time, which is expressed in halacha. Do the Arab as if it's a Yantif thing, a negative thing, a protective thing, like Balchuva. Not the sin, but don't, if possible, save it till Shalashudas, which means, if possible, do it in a way that honors Shabbos. Do it in a way of pure holiness, which is the theme of Shabbos. Try to, 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 to incorporate in our service, in our Hashem, elements 
sprinklings of the higher level of service when Yiddishkeit is our everything and there is no negativity. And the Rebbe even says, not only does the Alta Rebbe introduce these two things, and in that order, control yourself, but don't give up on one day celebrating and transforming yourself, even maybe briefly or what have you. The Rebbe says, and therefore there's the two opinions and the two themes of the Yomtev theme of this era of Tavshila and the Shabbos theme. But the Rebbe says it stretches it to its furthest degree. We don't just bring it on Erev, on Yantif and eat it on Shabbos. We prepare it on Erev Yantif and we eat it on the third meal of Shabbos. These are the two extremes. Erev Yantif in this context of the spiritual service means I'm not even a Bainani. If Yantif means I'm a Bainani, I'm a Jew who's doing the right things. I got control of myself. Iskafia. I have to force myself, but I, I'm in control. I'm Yantif. I've turned my Monday, my weekday into holy. What's Erev Yantif? I'm not even there yet. I'm less than the Benoni, I guess. And in that state of being, I'm preparing my Erev Tafshilin. I'm preparing my connection to Hashem. And when I'm, and I already then say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to eat it on Shabbos and not just Shabbos on the third meal. Shabbos represents the Tzaddik, the holy. Shabbos is a holy day. The third meal is the holiest thing, right? But that I've been, it's very lofty levels, which means even as I am less than a Benoni, I'm struggling. Maybe I'm still failing. I have in mind that I'm going to live my life in a way that is going to potentially be the highest level. Translate how you wish. Again, maybe it means because we're capable on some deep level of experiencing it, or we're connected to the Rebbe that experiences it. We'll experience Mashiach that experiences it, whatever you want. But ultimately, the level of Shalashud is the highest level of Alakus are, are still ours, still belong to us, because we still have souls, and we are mindful of them, and, and we keep them in our sights, and we aspire to inspiration that smells of that lofty level. Even as we are standing Erev Yomtev, we're still struggling and maybe failing, God forbid. And even there, we are preparing the, the, the uh, Erev to be eaten at Shalashus.